Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today, we are talking about co-parenting and growth after divorce. And I have an interesting duo, a divorced couple who had three children together. Now, after their divorce, they needed to heal and they needed to grow individually like we always do in that situation. But they also had to immediately co-parent. This is an important topic because for children of broken homes, how this co-parenting is done can make a huge difference in how much baggage the children take away and how secure the children feel with life and even how loved the children feel. And I haven't heard someone on, on other podcasts or talk spaces share this topic before. So I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. In 2011, Jay and Amanda filed for divorce. Stay tuned to find out why, but more importantly, stay tuned to hear a story of growth and positive co-parenting and what that looks like. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Jay and Amanda, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Lori. Thank you, Lori. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about each of you, who you are today, and then we'll jump backward in time and get your story. But let's start with Amanda. Who are you? What do you do? What's your bio? <laughs> yeah. So um, after the divorce, I had planned to go back to school and finish my degree, but God kind of had a different plan in place. I met my now husband just six weeks after our divorce was final, and we were married nine months later. Um, I currently live in Salt Lake City, and um, I have been primarily a stay-at-home mom, but what I had planned to go back to school for was to become a therapist and to help other women who had gone through marriages and divorces like I had. But raising my three kids plus two step kids that didn't that wasn't really possible. And so a few years ago, I found life coaching and I decided that was the perfect path for me. So in 2019, I became a certified life coach and I quickly changed my niece niche from helping women who were struggling in their marriage and contemplating divorce to helping conservative Christian women to have a more fulfilling sex life. So now I am a certified sex and marriage coach and I help women learn to embrace their sexuality and love sex. Um, and I have an online group coaching program and a podcast called Sex for Saints. Awesome. Now, is this Primarily for a specific religious group or for just women in general? About two thirds of my clients are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but, but about a third are not. So they're either from other conservative religions or they just consider themselves more conservative in nature altogether, even if they're not religious. Cool. Thank you. Jay, what about you? So I live in Utah in, in Farmington. At the time of the divorce, we were living in uh, the Dallas area, and and I moved uh, to Utah, and I still work for the same 
a Texas-based software company that I work for when I lived back in Dallas. I have a home office. So I've been doing the home office thing for about 10 years. Two of our kids are, are grown and away at college. And, and one is still at home. I remarried in 2013, but that marriage ended in divorce in, in 2015. I'm actually now in the process of moving from Farmington to Salt Lake. It, it, one of the great things about living here in Utah is, is the amount of time that uh, I get to spend outdoors. Love to ski with, uh, ski with the boys and, and uh, take advantage of, of being in the mountains and, and get a chance to attend uh, performances at Hell Center Theater with, uh, with my daughter. And, and yeah, that's, uh, that's basically where I'm at today. Okay, so take us back. What's the backstory of where you were when you decided to get your divorce? What was going on with your relationship? And then we'll work forward with the growth. Amanda, do you want to go first? Um, sure. So um, by the time that I filed for divorce, that was in early, um, well, summer of 2011, um, I'd really been unhappy for a very long time. I'm a very religious person. So I had been praying about divorcing Jay for about eight years at that point. And how long had you guys been married? We'd been married for 13. Okay. So things, things weren't great for me from almost the beginning, um, especially after our first child was born is when things started to go downhill for me. Our, most of our marriage revolved around my weight, my size, how much I ate, how much I exercised, and whether that lived up to Jay's expectations or not. Um, he could be very cruel at some points. And um, it was just really, really up and down. And I recognized later towards the end of the marriage when I started working with a therapist um, that it was emotionally abusive. And um, so you know, I had, I would go through cycles of trying to comply to his wishes and demands. Um, but no matter what I did, it was never good enough. He always wanted more. And, um, so it, when Jay married me, I was a pretty confident person. Um, I, I felt really good about myself, but, um, over the course of our marriage, i pretty much felt like I became a shell of who I used to be. There was not a whole lot left um, to the point where I was having to be medicated for depression and anxiety. And in 2010, I nearly took my life. So things got really, really bad. Okay. Can, and can I just break over to Jay here for a minute and yeah. say, yeah. what is your perspective on that? Over the course of of our marriage, I was, I was verbally abusive to, to Amanda. And did you know you were at the time, or is this just something that you've accepted afterwards? I knew that I was, I knew that I was being cruel and, and I knew that I was being critical and I didn't like what I was doing. And I, I don't think I, I realized how the degree to which I was doing it until probably about 10 years in is when um, maybe 10 or 11 years in when I 
when I really felt like I was, um, I was really hurting her. And what was the trigger that helped you realize that? There were some, some things that had happened that had happened between us and that I, I, I could see that it was just, that it was really damaging her. I would say probably in about 2000, it was about 2010 that uh, around the time when she talked about wanting to take her life and the, and the depression that she was going through and, and some of the things that, that she did, um, I, I think were a cry for help. And I knew that I needed to change and I didn't, I didn't really know how. So Amanda, when you were, you decided to file for divorce, mm-hmm. um, how far after the suicide attempt was, did you make this decision and what mm-hmm. helped you to make that decision? So it wasn't an attempt, but it was, um, I mean, I had a plan. I had, it was all there. The only thing, the only thing that kept me from doing it was the thought of leaving my children and knowing that he would be the one raising them. And I really didn't trust him to raise them. Okay. And at that point you had all three children, right? Yep. Yeah. And, um, it was about, it was a little over a year later that I felt like the answer to my prayers changed. Um, although I didn't move forward for a few more months because I was making plans and making sure that I had everything in place before I actually did it. And I don't want to put words in Jay's mouth, but I didn't understand some of the trauma that he had had before we got married that really changed how he showed up in the marriage. And I mean, I was 19. We got married nine days after I turned 19. <laughs> like as a 19 year old, I didn't understand what that would do. And so, and you know, this will come with the growth and stuff, but it's, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And, and it wasn't till until towards the end that I really understood how hurt he was, which was making it him hurt me. Well, let's move over to Jay then. And Jay, do you mind sharing some of that back history? Yes. Yes. So when I was growing up, my, my childhood was a very happy one. It was, it was a good childhood up until the point when I was about 11 years old and we moved to Colorado. And I'm hesitant to share this story, but I, I think that it's important. And I've asked permission from my mother to share it. And, and I hope that it will inspire someone else who, who may have, have difficulty in their relationships to, to get help and to heal and, and to reach out and, and not just try to stuff it down. When we, when I was about 11, we moved to Colorado and my, my parents started having difficulties in their, in their marriage relationship. My mom what, had left several times where she had um, separated from my father. And then she came back and I, I knew what was going on and that um, I would go and check in my in my mom's closet to see if her clothes were still there when I came home from school because I was terrified of, of her leaving. Uh, when my mom finally left for good, I was about 13, uh, which is my, my son's, my youngest son's age. And she left um, and I 
stayed and uh, and my two younger brothers and I, we, we were raised by my father. So after the divorce happened, my mom moved to uh, out of state. Uh, with that, that trauma of being raised without a mother and with, with my mom being gone, there was always something that was missing. And that was, that was my mom. I started to have these subconscious beliefs that if I didn't control the situation, then I was going to be, that I was going to be abandoned, that I was going to be left. And so when, when Amanda and I married, I, I had those subconscious beliefs. I didn't realize it at the time of when we got married, but I had had these subconscious beliefs that, that I needed to control in order to not be abandoned and in order to not be left. But I, I didn't quite recognize it. Like I said, it was a, it was a subconscious belief that I didn't, I didn't even recognize it until I started to go, go into therapy years later. And control was like the armor that I would put on when I felt negative feelings. And that, that control, that armor that I would put on is like 100 pounds. But the damage that it does to, and that it did to Amanda was like a thousand pound weight just crushing her. Well, and you know what? I think this is a note we can make to everyone in the audience. I have seen it in my own relationships and in other people's that oftentimes when there is a controlling body in the relationship, someone who is trying to control the other one, it is very specifically because they are tr- because they love the person very much, but they want to, they're afraid of losing them in, in one way or another. And so they, they grasp, they over-control, they... But what they end up doing is creating exactly the thing they don't want. Inevitably, this happens. And so if you are in a relationship where you are a controller, stop. I mean, really, you figure out how to stop. You go get the therapy you need. You take care of yourself in a way. Otherwise, you are going to create the very thing you do not want to create. And it's just, you know, the, the person who is the abuser, who is the controller is the person who has to stop and the other person can put boundaries. You can choose to leave that situation like Amanda did, but just for you, if you're a controller in a relationship and it's coming down on somebody else, you, they will leave you eventually, you you know, you'll do too much damage. Jay, what I, you've explained a little bit about what you learned about yourself from this first marriage, and you started to get into what you did to heal and grow, which was, you know, obviously some therapy here. Do you have anything you want to add to that? What you learned about you and then what you've done over the last 10 years to become a different person, a better person? Yeah. So I, I learned that, uh, that controlling, it, it destroys loved ones. I learned that I was, I was really living with, with fear and the opposite of that, of, of living with fear is, is kindness and curiosity and, and living in, in an intentional way. For me, not living in fear means being first kind to myself and that, that the kindness then radiate, radiates out to others. What does it look like to be kind to yourself? For you, 
I think for, for me, it's, it's about talking nicely to myself, tempering expectations. I, I'm, I can be a very driven person and just taking a step back and just, uh, just relaxing and, and not put such weighty expectations on myself. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That translates into other people, other relationships. Absolutely. Amanda, what about you? What did you learn about yourself from your marriage to Jay? Well, much the same that, you know, when things really started to deteriorate with me is when I put what I was hearing about myself in front of what I knew about myself. And, you know, so learning to um, love myself and take care of me, the most important relationship that I have is my relationship with myself. And when I can love me first, then I'm not going to let anybody else treat me badly. And I'm going to, you know, make sure that I'm treating me well. And it's nobody else's job to love me, but to love myself first. And then, like Jay said, when I'm able to love myself first, then I am more capable of loving those around me. Great insight. So what did you do over the past 10 years to help heal from that space and to grow? Therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy was, um, I did therapy towards the end of our marriage. We did individual as well as um, couples counseling. Um, And then you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in therapy, um, after we got divorced and I really feel like my husband, Kevin helped me heal because he loved me unconditionally and allowed me to see that I was worth loving again. And so his love healed me. And then I've done with coaching. I've been coached myself and done a lot of work on myself that way. And that's really helped as well. So you two have three children together. What are their names and ages? So our oldest son is Taylor and he is uh, 20. He'll be 22 in a few weeks. Um, Our daughter Carly is 19 and our youngest son Luke will be 14 in January. So with all the hurt that was created in the relationship when you were together, how did you co-parent and did you make a just was it a conscious decision to co-parent well? Did you start off co-parenting in a healthy way together? Um, I think we've actually done a pretty good job since the beginning. When we were going through our divorce, um, I remember a conversation that Jay and I had where we said, where I said to him, look, you know, our relationship is done and we need to put all of that in the past and focus on doing what is best for our children. And he agreed. And so, you know, things were a little rough at first when we were learning how to navigate things. I lived with my parents when we got divorced and my parents were, I think, very instrumental in helping me develop a good perspective on when Jay would do things and it would make me really angry or frustrated, like, hold on, wait a minute, what is actually in the best interest of the kids? And that really helped 
me start to formulate that. And so I think for the most part, Jay and I have actually done a really, really good job in co-parenting and getting along. So one of the things that I see really often in divorced couples is that at least one of them, or often, I'll say often one of them really bad mouths the other, whoever is the meanest or the maddest. And, um, and one of the things I think they don't realize is that their children have parts and pieces of both parents. And so when one parent badmouths another parent, they're actually tearing down a part of that child. And while they're, they may not consciously be trying to do that, the fact that they are airing those grievances around the children constantly or dragging down their other parent can be very detrimental. Did either of you go through that phase or did you just agree in the beginning to um, keep that out of it? I think for the most part, we've done a good job on that. Uh, we've recognized that our kids need both of us and that they have a relationship with, with both of us. And so we, we've generally been pretty respectful um, in, in speaking about, about each other when, when we're around the kids. Okay. So it sounds like in speaking around your kids, you're respectful. And also you respect the amount of time that the other person needs to have with the child, that it's important for both relationships to happen. What else is an important part of co-parenting that you've noticed? I think it's important to, to focus on the kids' experience and, and their view. So we've had important events like, uh, like baptisms and uh, mission farewells, yeah, graduation. Mission, yes. Where we have invited each other into, into each other's homes. I've I've, I've been invited into her parents' home, um, and and so it's about the kids, and it's about making it uh, making it a good experience for them. We've said we want you know having diff, uh, divorced parents is difficult enough. We want to make it as easy as possible on our kids, and so we've really worked together to have a good relationship. I mean, Jay's had kids for holidays and been invited over to my parents' house to celebrate those holidays with us. So we have the kids, and you know, Jay's there playing games all day on Christmas with us. You know, just because it's really it's about the kids and their experience. So has that been hard with there being, you know, so much hurt underneath, especially in the beginning? I know that as you guys, you know, grew and progressed that you um, obviously you, you're here and you're speaking to each other and you have a, a better and more healed relationship now. But with all of the hurt that was there, was it difficult to co-parent like that? Or was it just simply, you know, how important this is. So you're going to bury that. We had to put our, ourself aside. I, I mean, really come. I mean, I'm, I know Jay was hurt with the divorce as well, so I'm not minimizing his pain with that, but I know for me, I just had to put it to the side and I worked really hard, especially in the very beginning to forgive Jay and realizing, you know, where he was coming from with that, the pain that he caused, like Jay is a great guy. He's a great man. And I mean, there was a reason why I married him in the beginning. It was just not being able to overcome some of those struggles that he had that made it go the way that it did. But he's he's a good man. And I've seen huge growth in him over the last 10 years. He's worked so hard to overcome these parts of himself that weren't good and then really, you know, do better in parts that he already was good at to become a really, really good man. And so, you know, I have to just put, 
I had to work on forgiving him, which I did a long time ago and put my stuff aside to just focus on our kids and, you know, on our individual healing, but our kids don't need to be in the middle of our individual healing. Mm, That's very mature. Um, As we are closing up here, do you each have like a final piece of advice for people who are going through a space of divorce and they are trying to grow, they're trying to heal, or they're trying to co-parent? What, what advice would you give? The advice that I would give is to try to become good co-parents. So to, to have a co-parenting relationship, you have to have a low conflict uh, relationship. If you, if you're high conflict, you have to do more of parallel parenting. Um, but if you can move, if it's safe, you want to move to that co-parenting relationship so that you can do things like have a, a face-to-face conversation with both parents, with your children, so that you can have that united and unified front. So I remember there was a, a time when our oldest was about 16 and he was going through some difficult things, kind of typical things that a, that a teenager might go through. And we had to sit him down you know, where it, with both of his parents. So it was Amanda and I in Amanda's home on her living room couch there with Taylor and, and talking with him about some really important things that were going on in, in his life. And uh, at the end of this, and the conversation went really well, um, he was able to move out of the difficult circumstance that he had put himself in. And, and afterwards, I, I realized that if we did not have a good co-parenting relationship, that that would have gone really sideways. It would have gone, there's no way we would have been able to have that conversation with him. And who knows what would have happened to him. And so it's kind of like that, you know, that analogy of like the bank account, you've got to put in a little bit at a, at a time and then, so when you, you need to make a big withdrawal, it's there and that you can have that tough, crucial conversation with your 16 year old boy. I think that's a great point um, that there are conversations that need to be had. And if you both agree on the lifestyle that, you, you know, the way you want to raise your children, say in a similar religion or with a similar moral or ethical standard, there are times when you have to back each other up. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important part of co-parenting. Amanda, what final advice do you have for people who are in this space of newly divorced, needing to grow, you know, needing to co-parent, wanting to heal? So I think it's really important to own your part of whatever happened. Um, It's really easy to just blame the other person. And um, it always takes two. (laughs) But understanding also that it doesn't make you a bad person. It just shows where the hurt is that needs to be addressed and worked on. Um, the things that I did to hurt Jay was because I wasn't loving myself. And I think vice versa, the things he was doing was because he wasn't loving himself. So if we can work on loving ourselves, I think that's the key to a good and loving relationship, but also a good co-parenting relationship and growing. Um, so a lot of times I think we want especially in relationships, we want someone else to fill our bucket, right? And to make us feel loved and supported. 
But if we have a hole in our bucket, (laughs) if we aren't loving and supporting ourselves first, no matter what the other person does, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to fill that bucket. It's kind of like the airplane oxygen. Like you have to put on your own mask before you can put on anybody else's, take care of everybody else. So we have to take care of ourselves first, fill our own holes, whatever they are, then we can actually receive the love that is offered and given and the holes that we have. So go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's just such Solomon like wisdom. And I wish that there were a way for young people, you know, when you're, when you're in those early twenties or in your case, 19, but to, to fully grasp how important that idea is. And I think what people run up against it, particularly when they're young is that if there's not a general space of self-love there, you don't know how to get it. Like really, I think for many people, maybe all of us, self-love is a process and it's a process that you learn through life as you grow and heal. And unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of that happens at the expense of the people who we try to love and who try to love us. We're very incompetent lovers, really, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we and, are, but everybody does the best with what they have. But this idea of needing to truly love and accept yourself first. And if you have two people who could do that, then you really have a recipe for having a healthy relationship. But even when only one of them is there, then you've still got this really weak other side that can cause a lot of pain and conflict, which is probably basically why the divorce rate is as high as it is. It is. I I think that's really, really true, Lori. What is something you've both seen in each other that you really appreciate the growth and because you have watched each other for many years now, what are we at 20 years? You've known each other more than that. <laughs> 23, 23, 24 that we've known each other. Yeah. Okay. So in watching yeah. one another grow, tell me one thing that you really appreciate about the growth in the other person. And then something that you really love about yourself. You know, Amanda's, she's always been a high quality person. Her parents are, are wonderful people. And, and I think that, that Amanda reflects them very well. And so she's starting at a very, very high, you know, a very high regard in my mind. The thing where I, the, some of the things where I see that where she's had the most, most growth over the past 10 years, I would say she's, she's kinder. She's, more empathetic and more compassionate. If I might be able to, to share a, a story, I, I mentioned that I went through a, a, a second divorce. I, I was married a second time. And Amanda was, was so compassionate. There were, there were t- some things that were very difficult where I was really being between being a father and and a and a husband and Amanda really could have she she really could have been very negative and she was just so compassionate and so kind about that whole situation and and that's something that I really appreciate thank you good job Amanda 
(laughs) (laughs) And Jay, what do you love about the growth that you've seen in yourself? The growth that I've seen in myself, it is, it's good to be kind to my kids. Do you feel like you can have a relationship now that does not require you to control? Can you, can you without, I mean, across the board say that you could be in a healthy relationship and not have to exert control over the other person? Yes. Yes. And, and that is something that I, I have with, with my kids. And one of the things that I I did with my kids about, uh, about four years ago is I, I actually took a parenting class and it was with a, a certain methodology of parenting. And for me, it was, it was really, it was really, uh, a growing experience to be able to set aside some old habits and, and have a a set of tools and to, that really brought out the empathy with, with the kids and, and to have a set of tools rather than just relying on uh, being angry with them when they, when they wouldn't do things that I wanted or yelling at them. And, and that's, I think that's probably the thing that I, that I value the most. And I congratulate you, Jay, because to, to, you know, some people can go through life and they can feel victimized and they can feel angry and they can feel bitter and they can feel resentment. You know, you could feel resentment against Amanda for filing for divorce and blame her for things and not take stock of your own standing and not seek your own growth, but you did you took classes, you did therapy, you worked toward growth. And I congratulate you on, on making such steps and such growth. I think people who have the mindset controllers, that's a very difficult thing to change. So congratulations. Thanks, Lori. Amanda, tell me about what you, the, the growth that you've seen in Jay, what you appreciate. One thing. He has worked. He has worked to overcome the things that he really struggled with in our marriage. He's worked to overcome the control and really, you know, look at himself in a different and new way. He is a man of integrity. He is who he appears to be. And I think that's a big, big step. Um, A lot of growth from him. He's a good father. I've seen tremendous growth in him as a person and as a father. And I really, truly believe that he would make someone else a great husband. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Tell me something that, what's the favorite thing about your growth through this whole process? Oh gosh. Um, I just love who I've become. I'm, I really, I feel like I'm living my best life now, really working just to love other people no matter what their circumstances are, what, you know, just to love other people as much as I worked to love myself. And I think that it just makes the world a better place. Mm. You know, one thing that stands out to me as we have this conversation is that divorce is most often looked upon as, you know, a failure or a negative thing or a bad thing because it's heartbreaking because it's life wrenching. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's uprooting so many things. Um, and it is difficult and hard. And that's, you know, where a lot of my story is based also is in my three marriages and 
and understanding that concept and understanding emotional abuse. But in each of those cases, without revamping my story to see the positive, it feels like a bunch of failure to me and often to other people. But as I listen to you guys here and see the growth, what I see happen is two people who loved each other that were inexperienced with life, right? Just young, Mm -hmm. get married. And then they move forward, but they're, they're humans in a human space with, you know, different broken things that they haven't figured out about themselves or learned how to navigate. And you walk a part of life together. And sadly, oftentimes, I think that first marriage can be a really broken space for people. Like you you do a lot of harm to each other in that growth process, um, and I, I'm not just talking about you guys, I'm talking about, you know, people that I know intimately, their relationships. Sometimes that first marriage is such a space of growth and understanding and figuring yourself out and trying to figure out how do I love another human and how do I be unselfish, right? Like there's all mm-hmm. these things we have to learn. So while while we might look at divorce as, oh, this is a big failure, I think it can also be looked at as this was a, a a space of learning and the things I learned about myself and being able, being given the opportunity to forgive and learn and try to be empathetic with another human being, even if that relationship doesn't continue, if you go on and you keep growing and you keep trying and you keep learning, then your story gets different, but hopefully better and better and better as we learn and become more and more. And that doesn't make that marriage a bad thing. That makes that marriage part of the journey, you know? And I think if we can look at it that way, that those rough spaces and relationships, even if it's a rough marriage that ends, it's a stepping stone. It gives us information about us and other people and opportunities within the hurt spaces to learn empathy and forgiveness and, and growth. Amanda, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, There's so, I mean, I think marriage is designed to pressure people to grow. I think, you know, it helps us either, you know, become our best self. And if we're not willing to face that, then that's when marriages tend to fall apart. So my son, our oldest son is 22. He's not ready to get married yet, but he keeps, he's (laughs) dating. And, you know, he's like, mom, I'm seeing all these issues with these girls that I'm dating. Like, you've got issues yourself, kid. (laughs) But... Are you willing to confront those issues? Are you willing, instead of saying, you know, that's somebody else's fault, blame somebody else, it's not me, whatever. Are you willing to confront your issues and grow from there? And is the person that you pick willing to do the same? And if you have two people who are willing to confront themselves and grow, then you've got a good marriage. Then you've got a good relationship. And even if you grow in different directions, if it ends up, but as long as you're willing to confront yourself and grow, I think you're a lot better off. Mm, Really well said. And very true. Yeah, it comes back to this space of do I choose victimhood and, you know, and somebody else did this to me. And what are the words I'm looking for? (laughs) They're escaping me at the moment. But that, that whole pile of pushing, blame onto other people for the situation that you're in when you will go so much farther if you look at your own role in it, whatever it actually is, you know? Well, and it's the natural human tendency. This is the life coach coming out in me. (laughs) It's the natural human tendency to either blame someone else or to feel so much shame 
in ourselves. And if we can look at it as like, this isn't a problem. There doesn't need to be shame or blame. This is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity for me to look and say, okay, what can be done differently? Not blaming them, not shaming me, but just let's use this and grow. Then that's when change can really, really happen. And you get out of that ugly shame blame cycle. Absolutely. So I have two quotes that I wanted to share. The first is from Oprah Winfrey. And she said, quote, we can't become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Our dark days, the breakup of a family, the dissolution of a relationship, especially these times are like wake up calls, right? And the fast track to growth, if you let it be. So I really love that quote from her. Mm -hmm. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Yes, totally agree with that. The second quote is from Bernice Johnson Reagan, and she said, life's challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They're supposed to help you discover who you are. Aren't those lovely? I mean, if we work with these as we get into um, the challenging spaces in our lives, they're filled with hope and not not the shame of not getting it right the first time. Very few of us get it right the first time. (laughs) And if you do get something right the first time, there's going to be another part you don't get right. That's just part of being human. So yeah, life challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They're supposed to help you discover who you are. And you guys have shown a lot of that in this discussion. You know, Jay, if you hadn't been in this relationship and and exerted the control and seen how that affected somebody else, you might not realize your your propensity for doing that in the first place, right? So you could see that that was an issue and then figure out how to how to heal yourself and to heal from that. Absolutely. You, you know that uh, that idea of shame that that Amanda brought up, it um, it, it can really be paralyzing and um, it can cause one to really shrink from life. There have been times when, when I've looked at myself and I haven't liked what I've done. And, and, and at times I've, I've interpreted that to mean, well, I am a bad, I'm a bad person. And, and when I have felt that way, that's when I start to shrink. And that's when I start to I start to push people away and, and I, I treat my, I treat those around me differently. Whereas when I recognize that, that the things in my past, that it's something that, that I did and, and they were, they were bad things, but that, but there's a difference between doing bad things and being a bad person when you are thinking of yourself as a bad person then you have, and you have that shame, then you're not willing to confront, you're not willing to confront yourself. You're not willing to change because you're just going to push people away. And so when you get out of that shame and you start to recognize the things that you've done that, and that you, that you can change, you can then start to lead yourself. And then that enables you to lead others. Yes. Keep creating a story that you love through continued growth because nobody gets it right the first time. It's a process. And I think that's what we've really talked about here today. So a note to the audience, please share this episode with anyone that you think that it will support and inspire. So any of your friends who may be dealing with co-parenting 
or a divorce and and this idea of growth and healing, use use the episode to support them. You can find all the show notes on our website at loveyourstorypodcast.com. And that will include um, contact information for these two if you'd like to speak with some more. And we will see you in two weeks for the next great inspirational episode where stories show us the way forward. <laughs>